MLM Nation, episode 94. We have to know when to pick up the phone. We have to know when to put it down. You know, if you want to go 24-7 for a a season, then go 24-7 for a season. But know what your ultimate end goal is. Don't lose sight of that. Use technology to serve you, not to enslave you. If you want to be successful, you just have to copy what MLM leaders do. Welcome to MLM Nation, presented by your host, Simon Chad. Where you'll learn strategies, secrets, and inspiring stories from today's top MLM income earners. MLM Nation, this is Simon Chan, and I... I kind of lost my voice by doing all these interviews, but I had to keep going because today with a really special guest, I'm really fired up. Someone who's a top earner and now has become one of the world-renowned MOM trainers. We have Michael Klaus. Michael, are you ready to make it happen? I'm excited to be here, Simon. Thank you for having me. When a colleague gave Michael Klaus a cassette tape with a simple message, Michael liked the message and went to the follow-up presentation. He liked that message as well and then jumped right into network marketing. Michael was super coachable and then within six months, he was able to cover his family's car payment. And by 13th month, Michael's MLM commissions were paying for his family's mortgage. Today, Michael is a world-renowned MLM expert. He has authored more than 50 published articles along with many books, videos, audio training programs on the subject of network marketing. With a background that includes over 30 years of experience in direct selling, MLM system development, and team psychology, Michael is recognized as one of the top network marketing trainers in the world today. He's a sought-after business consultant, a personal coach, and a dynamic keynote speaker. His weekly newsletter, Nexera E-News, is currently read by tens of thousands of network marketing professionals around the world. So, Michael, I've just given MLM Nation just a brief intro, but please share more about your background and how you came across network marketing. Well, Simon, I I think you you did a brilliant job of kind of encapsulating the last 30 years, but it really did go back to a situation that hasn't changed. I was trying to provide for my family. Uh, when child number one came along, uh, my wife at the time decided to stay home with our son, and we lost that income. And like so many people, even to this day, trying to figure out a way to close that economic gap sent me searching for solutions. I tried asking for a raise. That didn't work. I thought about looking for a promotion. Nothing was available. I actually considered looking for other employment but I was fairly secure and comfortable as so many people are in what I was doing. There were so many options out there, just none of them seemed to work until a colleague, as you had mentioned, basically just handed me an audio tape and said, here, I'd like it back when you're finished. Well, I listened to that audio cassette tape going back and forth from my office in downtown Seattle, where I worked at the time, to my home about 25 minutes away in the suburbs. I like that message so much that when Jim invited me to go to the quote-unquote opportunity presentation, hey, I didn't know you were supposed to say no or put up any resistance. I just thought maybe, maybe this is the solution, so I agreed to go. And then what made it so special? Like you just jumped right in once you saw that presentation. What made it special? You know, I think we have a term today, which I didn't appreciate then, called social proof. And social proof really 
suggests that when we really aren't sure the direction that we should go, we as humans do tend to look to the left and we do tend to look to the right to see what other people are doing. And if enough other people are doing anything, we tend to follow, you know, the, the following the, the masses, so to speak. And so I went to this presentation and there were a variety of people, several hundred like-minded individuals. Back in the day, we wore coats and ties to these events. And so when I went to work, I wore a coat and tie. When I went to this presentation, this gentleman had made it very clear, dress like you would be dressing if you were going to work. I knew what that meant, coat and tie. So when I walked into the room, there were a few hundred uh, individuals, men, women, but coats and ties dressed up. And I just thought, this is my tribe. I felt like these were the people that felt like me. And so my mind was open to the message. And I think when our minds are open to the possibilities, we tend to look and think about things differently. And there was just something about it. But there was a key phrase at the end. I'll tell you one phrase that I think literally might be the difference between me being involved or having gotten involved 30 years ago or perhaps like so many others, passing. And I'm so happy that this exchange happened right after that presentation. So what happened right after the presentation? Well, <clears throat> I looked at Jim. Jim looked at me and he said something along the lines of, what do you think? I, I couldn't tell exactly what his opening line to me was, but the typical reaction, hey, what would you think of tonight's presentation or do you want to come and join us? Whatever it was. And I remember looking at Jim and I just said, let me ask you something. Do you think I can do this? Jim said yes too quickly. Just too quickly. He said, sure, or yes, or something of the sort. But his, his positive affirmative action was too quick. And it really kind of caught me by surprise. And I said, Jim, listen, hey, you didn't really seem to give that much thought. Why do you think, hmm. without even a moment's hesitation, that I can do this? Why? Here's what Jim said. It literally shifted me so profoundly, I got involved and began building my career. He said, because I can teach you. And that was the most simplistic, simplistic and yet possibly profound statement he could have ever made. I thought, he can teach me. Am I willing to learn? I was willing to learn how to drive a, or how to drive a car. Someone had to teach me. I was willing to learn how to play the guitar. Someone had to teach me. I was willing to learn how to be a parent. I was learning this process because someone was willing to teach me. Hey, if I could learn those things, I learned my job because someone was willing to teach me. This just seemed reasonable. I thought, okay, if you're willing to teach me, I'm willing to learn. Let's get started. And we did. Awesome. So you had pretty quick uh, success. Six months, you were able to pay for your car payment. But were there any challenges when you first started, like, you know, when you joined Jim immediately? What happened? Oh, my goodness. You know, <clears throat> I didn't realize how little I knew until I began to realize how little I knew. You know, coming from the corporate world, I just treated this like I would my job. I was serious about it, uh, but I literally listened and I followed. You know, too many times people either don't take in the information or they don't apply the information. I'll give you an example. Imagine that you wanted to get in better shape and your solution was to join a gym and to find a trainer, a coach, a mentor. In this case, like I had this gentleman, someone willing to teach you. And you said, what do I need to do? And they said, you need to come to the gym on Monday and Wednesday after work. You can take Wednesday, or Monday and Tuesday after work, you can take Wednesday off. You need to come on Thursday and Friday, you can take the weekend off. You need to do that for the balance of the year. So two days on, take a day off, two days on, take the weekend off. Are you willing to do that? 
yes, I'm willing to do that. And then the next day, we don't show up. There's nothing wrong with the gym. We can't fault the gym. We can't fault the trainer. We can't even fault the equipment. We didn't even show up. And so oftentimes within our profession, what I've learned is that people say, yes, I want the result. And that particular illustration, they want the better body. They want to look like the picture on the cover of the magazine. They find someone who can transform them, but that's going to require effort, effort that they could indeed put forth. They just don't show up. Life gets in the way. Family, staying late, working, wanting to be with friends, all of the distractions we have. I had those too, less maybe than we have now, but I had those distractions, but it was making that decision and then sticking to it. That's what made all the difference. So what was, and you had success, 13 months, you're paying for a family mortgage already. Take us back in a time where I'm sure there were some rough moments to your worst moment in network marketing, where you, maybe to the point you always wanted to quit, you regret you got started with this, but somehow you kept going. And because of that, you learned valuable lessons and you are where you are today. Well, I need to kind of bridge the gap, I suppose, to, to really take you to that point because I do have that point and I've shared it with many. Everyone, I believe, has that story, that one defining moment where they could go to the left or they could go to the right. And that decision, usually they'll tell you, was a turning point for them, again, a defining moment. But before I get to that, I have to kind of bridge that gap. So I'm working with this company. Things are going along very well. I'm excited about it. And then I began to realize how little information existed in the marketplace. You know, you couldn't just go on the internet back then and look up network marketing or multi-level marketing. The internet hadn't been invented yet. You couldn't go on Facebook or Twitter. We couldn't be doing what we're doing now. This technology that we're actually using to record, have this conversation, it didn't exist then. And so if you really wanted to find information, you typically had to go to a physical event, hope that there would be a speaker who had risen to the top high enough where they had decided to record or to write down some of their ideas in either a book or a, an audio program, and you could acquire it. You could purchase it, and, and you could glean information from it. Very different generation. And so I thought, you know, this information is so hard to find. I should do something about it. So I decided to write a book. And it came out in the early 90s, I believe 1993, entitled Future Choice, the subtitle Why Network Marketing May Be Your Best Career Move. That book got a little notoriety. Uh, a man named John Fogg caught notice of the book. And through a series of conversations, he asked me to take over for him as the editor of Upline Journal. So I walked away from building not that long after I had started that climb. Because I thought, wow, the opportunity to do what was going to happen there, the picture that had been painted for me, it was so compelling. It was just hard to say no to. So I found myself in a very, very short period of time working as the editor-in-chief of, at that time, the most prestigious journal or publication within our profession. Again, back in the day when no internet, no Twitter, no Facebook, none of this, we had to read, we had to go to these events. For the next three, three and a half years... All I did, Simon, was interview people like you're interviewing me because we were looking for content for the magazine. So we would find the people making twenty, thirty, forty, fifty thousand dollars a year or more. We would glean their information, we would condense it down, and we would share it with our with our readers. And of course, the better the story, the better the network, the better the network, the more our subscriptions could increase. Just like a newspaper to this day or a magazine is hoping for a great story, maybe even something that they have the exclusive on. 
so they can capture more uh, attention. It was no different back then. But being in that environment and talking to these people, I began to notice a pattern. There was a very, very simple distinction between the people that were succeeding, those that we, we were interviewing, and the people that had, had yet to succeed. <clears throat> I distilled that down over a period of time into a little formula or recipe, and I wanted to apply it. I wanted to find out for myself if it would work. And so one day I decided to walk away, to go back into the field, and to build again. I chose a startup, something I would never recommend nor do again in my life. But for me, I didn't really know at the time. I knew the people behind it. I thought they were good people. It looked like a great opportunity. It was fresh. It was new. It had all of that excitement. And so I got involved. In about our third year, that company was purchased by another company. Now, at that time, I had about 4,000 distributors in Canada alone. I was really starting to make my mark with that business. I was climbing that ladder and was one step away from the top position within the company. I could taste success and I, I could almost envision what it would be like to see my income go you know, to 20,000, 30, 40, 50, 100, 200 and beyond to emulate, to become one of these stories that I had interviewed. But here's the crazy part. The new owners, the new owners decided they were not going to do business in the country of Canada. And so they made an announcement. If you're in Canada, you're done. You can simply go home. Can you imagine wow. having an organization and all of a sudden they do this? But they just didn't do it through a letter or through some notification process. No. The company that purchased my existing company at the time was publicly traded. And because of the insider trading laws, they couldn't make this announcement until they made this announcement. Telling people in advance, hey, if you're Canadian, you know, this, there's something coming you need to know about, would have been considered insider trading. People would have gone to jail. So they couldn't tell anyone. They made the announcement at our national convention. So those of you listening that are involved, try to imagine that. Try to imagine going to your next national convention and having hundreds of your leaders from another country come to that event, making plans to be away from their family, investing the money on airplane tickets, et cetera, et cetera. And they're now sitting in the audience waiting for that event to unfold. And the owner comes out and says, if you're Canadian, you can go home. Wow. So was it like a riot? What happened? Probably the closest I ever saw the Canadians go from being the, the polite and kind and, and just very, very beautiful people that they are to more like some of the not-so-pleasant Americans. It was a very uncomfortable place to be, but it was crushing. It was devastating. Here's the crazy part. Before I had gotten back home from that event, not really knowing what I was going to do, my leaders that hadn't been able to attend – those that had just heard the rumors, the, the kind of the waves of this information as it was getting out, they said, well, tell us about this new company. So I started talking about it. And they said, well, that sounds interesting. Maybe, maybe we should try this. And before long, we had all just decided, well, you know, the old company is gone. There isn't anything we can do about it. The new company is here. Why don't we just try it and see what happens? So that's what we did. But if you really want to appreciate what this was like, Simon, try to imagine it like this. Try to imagine that you were happily involved in a relationship. Uh, you were committed, in fact, even married. You'd been in that relationship for a couple of years. Things were going along very, very nicely. And then your partner was tragically killed. They just, they're just gone. And literally on the day of their demise, you get a phone call from a friend of yours. And the friend says, you know, I am so terribly sorry to hear about the loss of your, of your partner. 
but you know, you're single now. They're not coming back. So you've just got to meet my friend. She's looking for someone. And I think you guys would really hit it off. That's really what it felt like when they took what we had away and introduced mm. us to something new at that convention. Uh, there was no mourning or grieving process. It, it, it was a very difficult time, but I'm glad I went through it. Not that I would ever really wish that upon anyone, but having gone through that just reinforced in me what I had learned. That recipe or that formula could be repeated time after time, company after company, country after country, because the fundamentals were sound. And indeed, by applying it, I went right to the top of that new business that had acquired us. Of course, they weren't new. They had been around for a while. And, um, you know, basically walked away, retired from that in 2003. Very inspiring. You know, can you tell, tell us another story in your journey when you had like a major aha moment? And kind of like a light bulb went off and then things just took off? Maybe it was part of the success principles you applied or something like that? Yeah, I think it's one thing when you're getting success. You know, and there are people out there. You know, Bill Gates is obviously a very successful person. But if you look at Microsoft, many successful people came out of that company. You know, Steve Jobs is a very successful person. But if you, or was, but if you study Apple, many successful people also came out of that environment. But sometimes within networking, if we're not really understanding the concept, how it actually works, you know, the fundamental of duplication, then it can become about someone else. And so I developed a philosophy early on uh, where I was destined or my goal, my ultimate goal was to make myself progressively unnecessary. And when you have that as a goal, when that is your focus, that, that, that the, whatever I'm putting in place, the systems that we're putting in place, the training we're putting in place, you know, how we're developing leaders, whatever we're doing must be put in place with the understanding that one day I will not be here. Not because I will eventually grow old and physically not be able to do this. I wanted to be able to enjoy the benefits. So you think about things differently. It, it stops becoming about you. And it starts becoming about the system. Something that could be duplicated again and again and again. And that for me was just a huge shift. Because prior to that, look, many of us love the recognition we receive on stage. We love the accolades. We love the awards. We love the income. We love you know, the honor. We love all of those things. And we also want people on our teams to succeed. But when you take your sights off of you and you focus your, your, your sights on, well, as Zig Ziglar said, you know, help enough other people get what they want and you can have anything you want. When it really, truly becomes that to your core, everything changes. And that was a big shift for me. Focusing on the system, not the individual, and making sure the system worked in this country, in this community, in that culture, it, it just it should almost be transcendent. And that's not that easy to do, but it is possible. Well, that probably speaks a lot about your leadership, because I think a lot of leaders they, who can't do that is because you let the pride and ego get in the way. Uh, they get caught up in their recognition, but you're wise enough, you have more experience, you were able to let that go. Well, it's thank you for that. I, I appreciate it. I, I think also you begin to real, realize what's your ultimate end game. You know, what do you really want? I mean, I've said to many uh, an aspiring leader as we're uh, growing and building the organization, um, you're still there? Yeah, I'm here. Okay, perfect. Um, as, as we're growing the organization, I've said to you know, many a leader, what is your end game? You know, what do you ultimately want? You know, if you want the trophies, they're here. 
If you want the recognition, it's here. You know, if you want the big house, it, it, it's here. I mean, what do you ultimately want? What's your end game? How will you know when you've arrived? Of course, many aspiring leaders, they, they don't really know how to articulate that. So we have to mold and, and, and kind of help shape them. But for me, the ultimate goal has always been one thing, freedom. It's not about how many phone calls I can take within a day. It's not about becoming so efficient that I can now do 20 or 30 or 50 when I could originally only do 5 or 10. It's not about being able to send out mass quantities of emails. It's not about using technology just so I can do more, do more, do more. It's about putting people in place that can put other people in place, that can put other people in place that are all singing, as they would say, you know, in some church off the same hymnal. You know, you've got people all focusing on the same lyrics of the song, some with beautiful voices, some not so much, but they're all trying. And they're all trying to begin that song and end it at the same time. When you've got that going on, then you have the beginning of what can ultimately produce for yourself and for the people you care about freedom. Because I do like waking up after I finished sleeping. You know, I do like the ability to take a vacation and not come back to more work because people have literally been waiting for you to return. You know, you have to instill leadership within our profession if you truly want to taste the sweetness of freedom. Now, let's share another story. Take us through the time that you consider your proudest network marketing moment. Proudest network marketing moment, I would say it has to be watching others succeed. In fact, probably the proudest moment is when you watch other people go beyond you. You know, there's an old expression that says when the student really excels or exceeds or goes beyond the teacher. And when you watch those individuals that you have met and you, re- you remember them and you see them grow up, so to speak, within the profession, whether that's a few months or a few years, and then one day you realize wow, this is just incredible. I've just watched them walk across the stage with a higher rank than mine, with a larger check than mine, and with all of the dignity and grace and poise. And and it just, it's like like being a father, I suppose. And probably that's the best illustration for all of the parents that are listening. You know, just think about how we feel when we see our own children succeed. It makes us happy because we would like to believe we had a part in that, but we're just proud to be their parents. Um, There's not one isolated instance. It's watching others succeed that you feel you've had a role in helping guide their, their journey. Now, Michael, you have over 30 years of experience. You've seen a lot of things change uh, in the profession, but what's one thing that excites you most about network marketing now? Well, what excites me most also scares me the most, and it's technology. It, it really is. Um, you know, it, it sounds crazy to really think about where we've come in 30 years, but 30 years ago, the audio cassette tape was king. You know, most of the listeners are going to have to Google that. They, they wouldn't really even know what one is, or maybe they've heard of it, but they've never used one. You know, then we came out with CDs, and then it was the, the videotapes to DVDs, and now we've moved all that online. And it started off with this little thing called YouTube. And then most companies started adding their own websites. And then it kind of grew from there. Then Facebook showed up and Twitter and social media kind of started rearing its very, very powerful head. And today we've got leaders in 14 countries around the world. And through a little application called WhatsApp, 
I can record a little audio message, push a button, and send it out to 500 people without even thinking about it and without spending any additional money. To think about trying to communicate with our leaders in Singapore or Malaysia or to talk to people in Mexico or Canada, you know, even to reach out to the people in Puerto Rico would have been long-distance bills that would have just been almost difficult at best. You know, we, you'd, be, you'd be talking to people about the investment. So I see all of that. Now Periscope is popping. I mean, I can, I can have followers on Periscope, and I've got lots of people that like you know, seeing the information. And yet I think to myself, this is crazy. Because the way Periscope works, as we all know, is all of a sudden you're just doing whatever you're doing and boom, oh, wait a minute, Michael's online. Well, what am I supposed to do now? I mean, I know it's only up for 24 hours, but I kind of like to watch what's going on. Should I stop what I'm doing, interrupt my day? It's crazy. The beautiful part is if you go back and have a chance to read Future Choice, you'll notice in that book published in, I believe, 1993, I predicted all of this. And a lot of people that read this are really surprised by the date especially if they do their history or know their history from technology because none of this existed. They're thinking, Michael, how in the world, how could you have known that Skype was coming? How could you have known the internet would allow what it's doing? How would you have known all of those things? And it's so funny because my corporate job, the one that we talked about in the very beginning where I originally was introduced was with AT&T. And AT&T used to send back when they owned Bell Laboratories, they would send the really just brilliant minds of Bell Laboratories around every couple of years to give us an insight as to what they had invented, what they had protected, but technology that they would not be releasing to the world for the next 15 to 20 years. I saw Skype without it being called Skype. I saw the mobile phones we have today. I saw the internet and computers. I saw the ability to talk into a phone, talk into a keypad, talk into a computer without typing. I saw all of this in 1985. Wow. So knowing all of that, one of the things that it's taught me is patience. And I've often wondered, you know, Bell Labs, of course, was eventually acquired. The name was changed to Lucent Technologies. And I couldn't tell you for the life of me what happened to those people today. But somewhere out there in the world is somebody way smarter than I am who has already figured something out that is so far ahead of its time, we won't see it maybe even in our own lifetimes. But they already know it'll work. They're just waiting for something for it to catch up. So here comes the big, the big, the, the beautiful part. I can connect with all of these people. That's the advantage. I, I can reach out and be a better leader. I can be more efficient. I can do those things. The downside is, when, when am I done? You know, as I'm going to bed, they're waking up in Australia and New Zealand. They're ready to go. You know, Asia's moving at a different speed and pace than we're moving in North America. When am I done? And if we're not careful, we're going to miss the mark, which for me is freedom. We have to know when to pick up the phone. We have to know when to put it down. We have to know when to plug in. We have to know when to unplug. You know, if you want to go 24-7 for a a season, then go 24-7 for a season. But know what your ultimate end goal is. Don't lose sight of that. Use technology to serve you, not to enslave you. And if there's one message for people that are in networking, I'm telling you, you could spend the rest of your life on Facebook and never see it all. You could spend the rest of your life on YouTube, mm. not, not watch it all. You know, you've got these brilliant interviews out here with some extraordinary people like Lynn Hagedorn. I mean, my, my, you've got these incredible, incredible, but if, if people, they'll, they'll never hear it all. Yeah. So take it in pieces. But remember, the libraries are endless. The information is endless. Understand, have an end game. 
Focus on the end game and where you're weak, look for information to strengthen your weakness so that you can provide what you ultimately want. My end game might be different than yours. Yours might be world domination. And that's okay if that's your goal. My goal is freedom. Hey, thank you for sharing your wisdom because we're on the same page. You know, I actually believe that this new generation, that, like these kids are growing up, that's constantly on, like you said, never ends, right? Like years from now, they're going to have like mental diseases because our brains are not meant to function 24 7 for a season, but not 24 7 for life. And so, ML Nation, there's a lot of wisdom from Michael. You know, know your end game and know when to turn it off because if you don't turn it off, you don't have the end game, it will never end. And you're just going to live a life of unfulfillment and unfulfilled unhappiness. Absolutely. You've, you've got to know why you're doing this. I believe network marketing is the ultimate gift of freedom for people who understand it. Choose a company that works for them. Learn the system so that it's not about them. You know, McDonald's was not about Ray Kroc. It was when he started, but he put together a system, not necessarily you know, for the benefit of mankind, but you know, don't, don't get me hung up on the hamburgers and the fries and all those things. The bo- bottom line is you can't walk into any McDonald's anywhere in the world and tell who owns it. You can't tell the ethnicity of the owner. You can't tell what they did before they owned that McDonald's. You can't tell because he put together a system that didn't have anything to do with who actually owned it. It had everything to do with this cookie-cutter approach to producing food this way. But imagine if we could produce freedom this way and you couldn't really tell. I mean, what a brilliant thing I believe that would be. But make sure you also capitalize on the freedom. Learn to put the phone down. Hey, Michael, switching topics, you got this weekly newsletter that's read by tens of thousands, the Nexera e-news. Can you share a little bit what's it about and where our listeners can uh, read it? Absolutely. You know, back in the day when I left Upline, I I just enjoyed writing. And so when ideas would come to me, I would share them, keep them to within the context of what we did at Upline, about 500 words, which typically means if if you're an average reader, you can read what I would write in about three minutes. So not a massive investment of time. And so I started putting one up about every week. Well, over a few weeks, you know, you've got these articles. So the internet site was born. Uh, when that became up, in fact, I think Nexera has been online since 1991, if you can imagine that. And information just continued to develop. Uh, once I found a need in the marketplace, like I don't know how to prospect, I would write a piece for that. And it just, it just grew and evolved based on what I was experiencing as I would build. But today they can go to either michaelklaus.com, which will just redirect them to Nexera. N-E-X-E-R-A dot com. Almost everything on the site is free. They can find articles on prospecting, presenting, uh, duplicating, teaching, training, leadership, uh, whatever they're looking for. There's a great search feature there. Uh, If they just go to Google and type in the word Nexera, followed by whatever they're looking for, uh, they can find just about anything they would like. Uh, My books and and audios are also available there. Everything, of course, has become uh, electronic. So wherever you are listening in the world, click, click, boom, got it. No shipping, no product. It's all virtual. Uh, the audios, of course, are MP3s, just like getting something on Amazon or uh, iTunes, I suppose. And everything else is, um, you know, is the ebook, the Kindle readers. You don't even need a Kindle anymore; just the software, and you're good to go. So it's great material. Uh, I also do a lot on Periscope. I've got a nice YouTube channel. If you get a chance, follow me on Facebook and Periscope. But if you really want to get some super information and you go to nexera.com, scroll down to the very bottom and look for the SoundCloud icon. Uh, SoundCloud is something I'm not using a lot, but I've recorded most of my really popular articles 
And because they're about three, three and a half minutes for me to read them, they're just me reading the articles. And so if you really want to know about what I think about activity or what I know about you know, building or, or, or creating teams, it's all generic. It's all there. You can listen. You can read. You can share. And I hope you find value. There's, there's, some, there's some great stuff there. Michael, thank you for all you do for the MLM profession. And uh, MLM Nation, we will include those links uh, directly to Michael's website and also to the Nexera, his newsletter, in the show notes page. So make sure you go to type in Michael at MLMNation.net. The last name is Klaus, C-L-O-U-S-E, C-L-O-U-S-E, and all those links will be right there. Now, Mike, uh, Michael, as we wrap up towards the end of the show, some really quick questions to pick your brain, okay? Mm-hmm. What's one of your favorite success quotes that's motivated you? Oh, without question, Paul J. Meyer. I had the opportunity to work with Paul for a number of years. Paul said, whatever you vividly imagine, ardently desire, sincerely believe, and enthusiastically act upon must inevitably come to pass. That quote is a sermon. That quote is a seminar. That quote is a recipe. Break it down. Look up the words, apply them into your life, whatever you vividly imagine, ardently desire, sincerely believe, and enthusiastically act upon must inevitably come to pass. Extraordinary. It served me well. Apply it. It will serve you well, too. What's one habit that's helped you become successful? Ah, the habit of personal development. Find your weakness or be open enough to identify your weakness to just yourself. You don't have to share it with the world. And then find the, find the fix. There isn't a piece of – there isn't anything going on with almost any person out there. You can't find a book on the subject or, or many, an audio on the subject or many. A, a pro, find your weakness. If you're uncomfortable talking to people, find your – fix it. You can figure out how to do it. You can get better. I spend about 30 minutes every day reading. About 30 minutes to an hour every day listening to new information, and I attend four classes every year or what we tend to call events. You do that over the years, I promise you, you'll go right to the top of your company because most people sadly just won't do it. And so it's easy to pass people by when they're not even moving. What's the best piece of advice you ever received? Work harder on yourself than you do on your business. What's your favorite prospecting to you? So, for example, you have a prospect who's interested. They want to, Do you use a news? You sit down with them with a newsletter, or do you do a webinar to present to them? Do you give out samples? Do you do a flip chart? What do you like to use? You know, back in the day, we had one tool. It was the cassette tape, and we had one message. Uh, today, we have a toolbox. Uh, we have this array. And so I try to think of what do I have available today, and what is your age, and what is your interest? If you're a guy like me, you may not want to jump online as much as you might like to be handed something to read. And so I'm just aware. So I know what I have. I know what my company offers. And I make sure that I try to get the right tool into the right person's hands. That might mean a link to a video online. That could be an audio they can download and listen to. It might be a conference call that's happening in a couple of days. It might be a magazine they can peruse over the weekend. It might be a Facebook page I can drop them in and let them preview. Trying to put everyone into one world doesn't seem to work as well today as it once did. Know your tools and just do the best you can making a decision based upon what you know about that person to put the right tool in their hands. It'll, that, that will serve you well. What's one of your favorite apps 
or online resources? Oh. I know you mentioned WhatsApp before. Do you have anything else you could recommend? You know, I, I'm, I'm getting to know Periscope. I'm not very good at it. Uh, but WhatsApp is my absolute favorite. It, I tell people, if you want to work with me, get on WhatsApp. Um, it's just I could go on and I could have taken this whole show on what I'm doing to manage an organization of about 100,000 people in 14 countries around the world using one application. Um, the video, the audio, the, the group bro- broadcasting features, the ability to send links and images, it's all free. I mean, where do you want me to stop? Well, it's free. It costs a dollar after the first year. I mean, seriously, this is, this is just brilliant. What's one book you could recommend to Elmo Nation? Oh, um, that's a difficult one. I think, you know, I, I would give a couple. First of all, everyone needs to read the classics. You know, I love reading books about people that have come and gone because we already know what life they've led. So, you know, you've got to pick up the How to Win Friends and Influence Peoples, those types of books. You've got to read, read The Magic of Believing, The Magic of Thinking Big, Think and Grow Rich, you know, As a Man thinketh. Those classics have survived the test of time. And if I were to pick one of those books, I would say go to work on how to win friends and influence people. Find the section entitled how to, uh, um, Six Ways to Make People Like You. Crazy little thing because it sounds a bit manipulative, but it isn't. You master those six ways in that book that's been around for half a century. You apply them into every facet of your life and watch your world open up like the most beautiful flower you have ever seen. It will be an experience that will literally be life-changing. And ML Nation, I know you love audio because you listen to this podcast. So if you haven't already, you can get an amazing free audiobook at MLMNationBook.com. That is MLMNationBook.com. So, Michael, here's the last question, the million-dollar question. You ready? I'm ready, Simon. Before we go to the million dollar question, ML Nation, I know you want to grow your business and I know you want to earn more income. So that's why I want to share with you something that will instantly help your business and increase your income. You already know the importance of sponsoring. And if you can't sponsor, the fact is you simply won't earn any real income in network marketing. Sponsoring is so important. And that's why I'm inviting you to a free training that will change your business forever. I want you to check out my free sponsoring workshop webinar where you're going to learn how to invite more prospects, overcome the objections, and sponsor more distributors. You can register for this free training at www.sponsoringworkshop.com. Again, that's sponsoringworkshop.com. If you like these podcasts, these podcasts for ML Nation and these trainings, you'll find this free webinar even more helpful. This is the training that helped me earn over a million dollars in MLM and giving me the residual income so I can be a stay-at-home dad with my kids and also have the time to give back and produce these MLM Nation podcast episodes for you. This is the training, the skills that help me become successful in network marketing, and you're going to learn this at this free sponsoring workshop webinar. So some, here's some of the things you will learn and get. You're going to get the first step you must take before you even talk to your contact list. You're going to discover the three type of prospects and how you must talk to them differently. Because not all prospects are the same. They're different. You also get my proven code market scripts that will help you convert strangers into prospects. These are the things that help me. I mean, I didn't sponsor 200 people in a year, but I sponsored over 80-something people in one year. How would your business grow if you sponsored 80 people in a year? 
You also learn how to get prospects to overcome the objections. So listen to your presentations. You know, an MLM objection, how to, you know, I don't have any money. So you're going to discover, you'll learn all those things. And also, the best part is you get my famous six-figure close. So you can sign up prospects. And this is the same script, why it's a six-figure close. Because I used it to sign up one of my party friends. This guy was a party animal. And I used that six-figure close. And he joined. And now he's a diamond director and earns me a six-figure passive income just from one person. And so you'll get the same six-figure close on this free webinar. So anyway, enough of what you learned. What you really need to do now is register right now or write this website down. It's at www.sponsoringworkshop.com. Okay, sponsoringworkshop.com. This free webinar is offered three different days. That's the cool part. This is three different days at four different times. So you can so that anyone around the world, because I know ML Nation, you guys are global, you can listen to it. And even better, if you don't have the patience, you want it immediately, there's an option. If you go to sponsoringworkshop.com, there's an option to watch it now immediately. So you can watch it right now and learn. So start learning the skills to help me build a million dollar ML business and go to sponsoringworkshop.com. So look forward to seeing the training. So now you know about something that's going to help you. I have to share that with you. Let's go back to the show and to the million-dollar question. Here's the million-dollar question. Imagine you had to start all over again and you knew no one. So you didn't know Lynn, you didn't know anyone, didn't know friends, no contacts, but you had all your current knowledge, skills, and wisdom. So you're kind of like an alien dropped onto another planet, but they spoke English. So what's the first thing you do to find prospects and build an ML business from scratch? Oh, my goodness sakes. How much time do we have? Ha! <laughs> Here's what I would do. There's a man out there named Tom Big Al Schreider. I would go to his website, which is BigAlBooks.com. I would download every one of them. I think if you're an Amazon Prime customer, they're all free. But if you're not, they're about $5 a piece. I would get every one. I would start with his book on rapport just to brush up my, my rapport building skills. I would then read his book on first sentences. I would then move on to his book called Ice Breakers, and I would apply those using the three-foot rule. If you come within three three feet of me, I'm going to try one of those techniques. I would take what Jim Rohn taught me, where he said, why would you go across town until you've gone across the street? And I would talk to the people in my warm market. You know, we sometimes forget that network marketing what it actually means. You ask most network marketers, they couldn't do a very good job of defining it. They could define it, but it would be all over the map. Let me give you my spin. Network. Where's your smartphone? Open it up to your contacts. That's your network. Go to Facebook. Show me your friends. That's your network. That's your network. Big, small, you know them well, you don't know them all. That's your network. Marketing. Marketing is taking an idea to your network. How do you do it? Those are the people I would start with. I would have the idea. How do I get it to them? I would use Tom's books to bridge the gap. Yeah, Big Al stuff is awesome. MM Nation, if you haven't ever listened to Big Al, definitely check him out. He was actually on episode number two when we first started. You know, just go to Big Al, Tom Big Al Schreider. Awesome books, awesome resources. Definitely check that out. Really help you. As we wrap up, do you have any last words of advice? And then what's the best way our listeners can connect with you? Um, The only advice I would give to people is sometimes we want things to be other than they are. After 30 years in the profession, I've given up on all of that. I'm just a person who observes what is. 
And so when you really take a look at what is instead of what you'd like it to be, it really helps free a lot of us. You know, someone says to me, for example, I wish I were better. Okay, that's fair. But are you better? No. Okay, so that's what is. Let's go to work then on making you better. Go back to what I said earlier. Read for 30 minutes every day. Listen to the audio programs and take these classes or attend these events. Get better over time. That's just what we do. It's very pragmatic. It's very left brain, very logical. I get that. I just wish we could get more people to do it. So the single best advice I think I would ever really pass along to people that are listening is just be honest with yourself and be honest about what you really want. Know that it's going to take some time and some effort to get there. You're probably going to need a mentor along the way, but be careful of the mentors. A lot of them are wolves in sheep's clothing. Somebody wants to charge you several thousand dollars to teach you how. I would want to make sure they were actively building a business and had made millions in the process. And even then, I would scratch my head and wonder, if you're actively involved in the business and you're making millions in the process, why would you want to charge me for your time? There's a disconnect there. Now, I'm not suggesting it's not uh, uh, something that is a problem. Just look into it, find out. Make sure you know what you're doing. Too many people are going down the wrong road, Simon. I, I wish we could. We, we don't need you know, motivation or education to speed them, or, or motivation really to speed them up. As Jim Rohn used to say, we need education to turn them around. We've got to get people going down the right road, which is find a good company, focus on their plan, learn from the leaders within their culture, plug into events like you've got going on so that you're interviewing these great minds, which is what I did with Upline. There's wisdom and beauty in that. But focus on what it takes for you to reach your ultimate goal. For me, my ultimate goal was freedom. Hasn't changed, never will. And then what's the best way our listeners can connect with you? Probably the simplest, I would suppose, with, with everything is go to my website, Nexera, N-E-X-E-R-A.com. And remember what I mentioned earlier about, you know, instead of having one tool, you, you let people kind of fall where they want to fall. You give them what you feel is best. I would say scroll clear to the bottom and connect with me the way you would like to connect with me. If you're on Twitter, you can reach out to me there. My link is there. If you're more of a Facebook guy, reach out to me on Facebook. It's there. If you're more of a YouTube guy, hey, go post something on there. I'll see it. But if you really want to reach out to me, just email me. Send me an email, mc, as in Michael Klaus, at michaelklaus.com. It's the best way to go direct from wherever you are in the world right into my inbox. And I'll tell you this, uh, if you email me, I'll respond. I always do. ML Nation, you're the average of the five people you spend the most time with. And today, you've been hanging out with Michael Klaus. So keep up the momentum and go to mlnation.net and type in Michael Klaus. Klaus is C-L-O-U-S-E at the search bar. And the show notes or the links to to Michael's website and all the nuggets of wisdom will be right there. In order to be successful in network marketing, you must help others. So, Michael, thanks again for sharing your valuable time with MLM Nation. We're grateful to you, and we appreciate you for having a positive impact on millions of distributors worldwide. Thank you so much, Michael, and God bless you. Simon, it was my pleasure. Thank you very much. MLM Nation, there was another fantastic episode for Michael Klaus. Really good wisdom. I love the people who have been in the business for so many years, like 30-plus years, because there's so much wisdom there, and especially love the part he talks about the end game you know make sure you know your end game and the importance of focus right focus 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 um it, i think the, the number one takeaway for you and i'll keep this short because my voice is you know i'm losing my voice here is like look at the weakness right what are you weak at what part of the business are you weak at and then focus on that right you can get books audios courses 
you know, uh, go get that focus. If you're weak at inviting, go learn how to invite and just get really good at it. Don't be distracted. And, you know, you talk about technology being dangerous. It's really true because there's so many distractions out there. But to focus. And, uh, and the end game is, hey, you got to see yourself become successful. What, you know, that's one of the things that my mentor taught me is never forget your why. You know, uh, for me personally, like, I reached a point where, hey, I want to spend time with my kids. Um, that's what I did. You know, I, I retired from the business, allowed me to do a lot of things and focus on coaching and training, which I do at home. I don't need to run around and do meetings anymore. So never forget your why, your end game. And uh, like you said, try to make yourself unnecessary. And that's really when you get the passive income. And that also takes a lot of leadership. You have to get rid of your, you have to be humble, get rid of your pride. And really, you have a very successful business when you are out of the picture. And if you're new, that may not resonate with you. You don't may understand it. But ultimately, you want to get a part where the business is running. You've trained your people. You've helped them become successful. And you can get yourself out of the picture. And not to be, and that, that means, especially for you to a director types, type A or the sharks, you don't need to be involved with everything. You can actually step away from it and empower your people. Let them run it and empower and trust them. Let them run the business instead of you trying to control everything. So awesome episode. Go to mlmnation.net. Michael's great resources. Type in Klaus, C-L-O-U-S-E, or Michael in the search bar. Show notes will pop right up. Also, don't forget to write a review on iTunes or Stitcher. Just give me an honest review. And also, a lot of you have been sharing about how you love ML Nation. Thank you for sharing with your friends, upline, downlines, crosslines, or friends from other companies. Um, thank you for and I love it. Thank you for sharing the feedback for me. I mean, I'm glad these things have been helpful. And that's all your feedback and messages you send back to me, the reviews. That keeps me going. That you know, That's why I mean, I'm loud and proud to be in network marketing. I'm about to lose my voice here, but I'm still doing this because you know, we have an amazing story from Michael. I wanted you all to hear that today. And he was super busy. I got him. I said, hey, bad voice or not, we're doing this. So anyway, I'm going to go and rest my voice. And apply what you learn, figure out your weakness, invest in that, focus at it, know your end game. And we're in an awesome profession, folks. And remember, we're in the profession to help others. So go out there and have a positive impact on someone's life today. God bless you all. Thank you so much for joining us today on MLM Nation. Head over to MLMNation.net for full recaps of every show, our training articles, and helpful resources. Your MLM success is waiting for you. So prepare to take off.